are listening to Booze, Bullshit, and True Crime. I'm Bree. I'm Wade. And we're going to talk about some really interesting gnarly shit today. Are we? we? We sure are. You did all the research, so. I did. Yep. So good luck, <laughs> have fun, and be ready for interruptions. I am super down for interruptions. You're just right. here for the laughs. Oh, <laughs> using me. <laughs> So, uh, this week I really wanted to do an episode about autopsy in general. Um, so a little different, no actual murder cases today. I know you're super upset about that, probably. Nah, (laughs) not really. I mean, I was expecting you to do some gnarly case, but okay. This stuff is still gnarly, just not in quite as emotional of a way so i think that's why i enjoyed it so So much so you're gonna go over the process of it or over you're just gonna have to fucking wait and find out okay (laughs) you liberal girl you oh my god okay how about before i go into all my research research can i go into my research can you go ahead and tell everybody about our day today i mean i guess but you're the more upset one about the day so i feel like your story would be a little better i mean it's gonna be really irrational and probably exaggerated so i don't know if it'll be better that's why it'd be better (laughs) (laughs) i mean for being honest all right well we got up this morning to go down to fresno and we had come home from work because we work in a different mountain community about four hours away so we had commuted back after working an 11 hour day on thursday Got home at, like, what, midnight? Yeah, it was, like, 11 midnight, something like that. 11.30, somewhere like that, Thursday evening, because we took Friday off, because I had to take my dog to the vet, and I had to do a few other errands that day. Um, So, we got up this morning. It was supposed to be payday. So, I woke up relaxed, like, oh, okay, I have enough to get my bills paid. And I, we've been scraping by, um... I've moved jobs a few times and kind of tried to figure out what the fuck I want to do. And then we both came in like halfway through their pay period. So it was just like shitty luck. But Wade didn't get paid. I got paid. So immediately. I mean, you were irritated about that. Yeah. Anyways. (laughs) It it, it had nothing to do like that we were (laughs) irritated with the company. Accidents happen and they're small. It had nothing to do with that. It was just the fact that we felt like... We've been struggling so hard, and all we want to do is finally pay our bills that we've we been can't catch off. a break. Yeah, that's all it is. That's all it is. But the the day starts really when we get to the vet office. That's when the story actually really kicks off. True. We are already fucking irritated. <laughs> we already had a shitty morning. Well, not really. I mean, nothing went wrong, but we are just irritated. So we get down to the vet office. We literally walk in the door. And immediately hear like a car crash out in the parking Rip! lot. <laughs> yeah. So we jump out the f- fucking door of the vet office, and there's this old lady smashed into a tree. Actually, ran over the tree. Was on top of the tree. She it's was little, done. Yeah. Horizontal. And she was like inches, millimeters away from the fucking building. She didn't wreck into the building. But the oddest thing was, was one of the vet doctors hopped in her car, backed her car off the fucking sidewalk in the <laughs> tree. Parked it in the parking lot, 
then went back into the office and did his duty. <laughs> and the gir- the old lady just, you know, dropped off her dog at the groomer's office, fucking hopped back in her car and left like it was a normal day. Like, but oh, she was wrong. she was sitting there for a solid few minutes, like literally rapidly rocking back and forth to the point where she was basically like hitting the building. And the super sweet, like, secretary lady from our vet kept, like, telling her, like, please stop, like, miss, stop, stop, stop. And finally she had to be like, fucking stop! (laughs) For this old lady to just, I don't know what was going on there. Oh, man. And then we left the vet office Uh, after all that. And Bree's new Subaru broke down. Well, it didn't break down, but something went wrong with it. And then we were trying to get a tow truck. We realized that AAA was expired. So we are like, fuck, let's call a tow truck and just see how much it is. It's like 70 bucks for like a three-minute drive, and I said, fuck that. So we limped the car over to our mechanic. Who's and, awesome. Yes. And it was just a, just one bolt. That was all it was. Just rattled off and fell off. It's a fucking brand-new goddamn car. 2016. Only has like 60,000 miles on it. Eh, more now. 70. Anyways... You drove it in, like, first gear with the hazards on all the way, too. It was pretty remarkable. It worked. We got got it there. there. It was fine. It was fixed. And then the day slowly started getting better, especially when we got home. And we started drinking these weird pina coladas that aren't pina coladas because they're liquidy. They can still be liquidy in a pina. It's a melted pina colada. We didn't have enough ice. True. (laughs) Still gets you drunk, so... I also screamed at somebody in Walmart. I wasn't going to get into that one, but yeah. So overall, it was just a very (laughs) frustrating and long day up until about like what, three o'clock when we got home. And then I just made a shit ton of sushi and we started drinking and I feel better. Yep. (laughs) All the better. All right. Now that you guys are caught up on our shit, let's talk about some gnarly shit. I got a lot of my information today off HowStuffWorks.com, which is, I believe, linked to the podcast, also Stuff You Should Know. Oh, cool. Yeah, I think it's some of the same people or the same company, but super comprehensive article, um, and that's where a lot of this stuff came from, most of it. The definition of autopsy, um, per Merriam-Webster, in the dictionary... The first one is an examination of a body after death to determine the cause of death or the character and extent of changes produced by disease. Um, The second explanation is a critical examination, evaluation, or assessment of someone or something past. Now, before we started recording, my dad, who has been a paramedic for like over 30 years, and back in the day you could just sit on, on autopsies whenever. I don't know how it is now. But I was like, what's your... What's your, like, craziest autopsy story? And he was like, ah, I'd probably have to say there was a lady that uh, was submerged underwater in her car for three months, and they were trying to autopsy her. That was pretty intense. And I was like, yo. (laughs) That is is wrong. It's like jello. Exactly. It's all bloated and swollen. How do you even, like... it's, it's like, like popping a water balloon. Like a super ripe tomato. Yeah. Like an overripe tomato. I feel like that's a really good comparison your face. We don't have visual, but I can't see his eyeballs. He's squinting oh, so bad. Oh, my God. Oh, all right, so that was crazy. Just a rotten tomato mm. cutting into it. I mean, aren't we all just rotten tomatoes? <laughs> <laughs> now for some fancy autopsy facts. The Greek physician Galen of, I'm going to fuck all this shit up, Pergamum, (laughs) in the late 200s AD, 
was the first to dissect the bodies of dead patients in an effort to correlate their symptoms with what he could find by examining their organs. The first documented forensic autopsy was performed in 1302 at the behest of a court in Bologna, Italy, which is a thing, apparently, um, that wanted to probe the death of an Italian nobleman named Azzolino, who had died suddenly. Go baloney. Yeah, baloney. Putting them on the map. The Catholic Church ordered an autopsy of conjoined infant twins Joanna and Melchiora Ballesteri. Wow. Ballestero in Hispanolia <laughs> in 1533. <laughs> I'm trying <laughs> <laughs> to determine if they shared a soul. Ooh. I mean, I know it was 1533, but... Okay, I'm going to refrain. There were two distinct hearts, and hence two souls, based on the ancient Greek philosophy um, of Empedolesis. I can't say any of this, but it's still interesting, so I'm going to struggle. Who believed the soul resided in the heart. So... Someone amongst Greek philosophy had that belief. The twins' father, who had grudgingly paid for two baptisms, may have wished for a different outcome. So I'm pretty sure that means that there was only one heart when they dissected them. Because they put that little comment in, like, he was all pissed off. He only, you know, he paid for two different baptisms and it's one soul. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Um, Paduan, which is a province in Italy, they had a judge who was obsessed with the um, anatomical drawings of Andreas Vesilius, which if you've ever seen those like old-timey um, hand-drawn and painted like school, not school poster things, but it's like a scientific, it shows the autopsy. and they, uh, okay. No, you, you lost me. All I right. have no idea. He was important. Cool. All right, that's all I need to know. Um, but this judge in Italy endorsed autopsies on executed criminals. They soon became all the rage in the region. Starting in 1539, hangings were scheduled around planned autopsies, which is super dark, and they were por- or they were performed in packed houses and special theaters, so like a show. Wow. Right? I didn't know that. That was ridiculous. I knew you could watch hangings, but I didn't know you could just like go watch an autopsy and like mass people like that and they're stating that people would like plan their day around the hangings and the autopsies mm-hmm. that's pretty nuts that is pretty nuts that's okay <laughs> in the 17th century lacking chemical tests and knowledge of disease transmission transmission mechanisms blah, blah, italian physician and Autopsis, I think, which is like an autopsy person. Antonio Valsava sometimes tasted the fluids he encountered in cadavers in an effort to better characterize them. Gangrious pus does not taste good, Valsava wrote, leaving the tongue tingling unpleasantly for a better part of the day. I can't. That is ridiculous. I cannot. Well, thank you for him, though, because now we know what <laughs> certain things taste. I don't think that was helpful in any way. He's just, like, squeezing scientific. things out of dead bodies, licking them, and then writing about it in his journal. <laughs> exactly. That is the weirdest thing. Um, I'm going to do a quick list of strange deaths. 
which, aka, like, the most fucking unlucky people on the planet. Okay. <laughs> Rebecca Berger, 33, a fitness blogger and model. <laughs> <laughs> I, she's a victim, but I the know, irony. Sorry. Okay. Not a fitness blogger with the last name Berger. I know, I got it. Don't be I got cool. it. That's the first thing that yeah. I thought was, I'm loving it, when I read her name. <laughs> She died after a pressurized canister of whipped cream exploded and struck her in the chest. What? I must say whipped cream is both a betrayal and a travesty to die from. Whipped cream is always so, so good to me. That's crazy. <laughs> I thought so. And really unlucky. Robert Dreyer, 89, drowned on his birthday after crashing his car into a fire hydrant. Dreyer successfully stepped out of his car, but was swallowed by a sinkhole, likely created as a result of the destruction of the fire hydrant and subsequent water pressure. Damn. So the earth just swallowed him. I wonder how they recovered his body. They probably turned the water off. Well, yeah, but he's still, like, already in a sinkhole in the ground. I don't know. I don't know. Like, in one piece, you know? That'd be hard. He probably is in one piece. He just got a... Find him in the muddy water. No, I'm saying extracting him in one piece. He's in the earth now. Like, the sinkhole was like, you are mine, and swallowed him. Okay. I don't know. I don't know how that works. Lottie Michelle Bleck, 55, was fatally stabbed in the chest by a beach umbrella blown by a strong wind. Wind speeds at the time reached 20 to 25 miles an hour, so it just pierced her right in the middle of the chest. Jesus. Right? All right. Enough of that. Um, I'm going to get into, like, the breakdown of the differences in autopsy first. And I must say, I've watched, like, a shit ton of cold case and CSI growing up and as an adult. So I thought I had a pretty, you know, good understanding of what went into an autopsy and the things that they did. Because you watch TV shows? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, continue. I was wrong. <laughs> Just TV. <laughs> I was wrong. <laughs> I found out some pretty fucking cool shit. That's all I was saying. So thank you for making me look like a dummy. Um, there are two main types of autopsy, forensic and clinical. The forensic autopsy or medical legal autopsy is the kind you most often see on TV and in movies. <laughs> According to former Fulton County Deputy Chief Medical Examiner Dr. Eric Kiesel, and this is a quote from him, the forensic autopsy spends almost as much time on the external surfaces of the body as it does on the internal surfaces, because that's where the evidence is. Why do you think that is? That they spend more on the outside of the body than the inside? Mm. Because of, like, trace evidence from rubbing up against something and the killer rubbing up against the victim shit on your hands the oil all that crap even like defensive wounds even yeah defensive Mm -hmm. wounds like scratches and etc etc i agree i agree with that um also according to kiesel forensic autopsies try to find answers to the cause of death as part of an overall police investigation so you know if it's not clear obviously the police are going to be involved on TV shows such as NCIS or Law and Order Special Victims Unit, which I just heard the choo-choo, like the bar slamming mm-hmm. shot when I read that in my head, 
Medical examiners seem to be a major component in the investigation and can use DNA evidence for just about everything. In reality, Kiesel explains, the autopsy is going to tell you why they died, what killed them, but it won't necessarily tell you why they did it. So all of the answers aren't going to be there. So that's basically what you were saying. Um, The clinical autopsy, in comparison, is usually performed in hospitals by a pathologist, which, dream job, or the attending physician to determine a cause of death for research and study purposes. They're really interested in the disease processes that are going on, and they're interested in making that clinical pathological correlation, says Kiesel. A person came in with these symptoms, here's the treatment they got, and here are my findings. They try and put the whole package together to help inform people of what happened or what may have happened to, you know, their loved one. So, next, I was just going to touch on, like, the different ways that they classify autopsy. The different ways they classify autopsy? Or, like, how the person died, I guess. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, in death investigations, autopsies are most often performed by a forensic pathologist, like I had said earlier, and the pathologist studies the effects of diseases, medical treatments, and injury on the human body. A forensic pathologist specializes in using these studies to establish a legally admissible manner of death in the court of law. So, in a trial... You have to be proved guilty beyond reasonable doubt. Yeah. So even if there's, like, you kind of know the person did it, but there's that small chance, like, they can't be convicted. Okay. I get what you're saying. Which, I don't know how I feel about that. I guess it protects innocent people. Yeah. But, meh. There are four legally defined manners of death that will be used to classify you know how the person died in an autopsy so the first is natural death accidental homicide or suicide the so sorry but what if you it. have like cir- you have circumstantial evidence of a murder but the autopsy confirms that it's an accidental death or a suicide how could that happen exactly you class they're classified as one though. Well, I'm no, I'm saying as an accident or suicide, like it, one or the other, not the same on one ticket. But. Yeah, I don't think that. Well, cause think about it, like. Well, what if you have all this proof, but you don't have actual evidence that this guy killed her? But the autopsy and the coroner, or whatever, classifies the death as an accident. Whatever the coroner says goes. For the most part. Okay. You can get second... I think they get second opinions, and they can have, like, second autopsies. That's why they exhume bodies and stuff. Gotcha. But, to be honest, our legal system is really, really complicated. (laughs) And we're no (laughs) lawyers. Uh, And, like, I've read about a lot of criminal cases, but there are a lot of things that happen that I don't understand. Um, So I'm probably a dummy when it comes to that kind of thing. Okay, proceed. Okay. But all I'm saying, all four of these are very different from each other, so they wouldn't really overlap. Like, if it's natural, they just died because they're old or whatever. Accidents, an accident, homicide, you're killing someone, suicide, you're killing yourself. So all very separate. Gotcha. 
The body is received at a medical examiner's office or hospital in a body bag, so those things that you see on TV that they zip up, or something called an evi evidence sheet. The evidence sheet's kind of like, honestly, it's like body baking paper. Or I guess it's called wax paper. You know the stuff you put cookies on? doesn't stick. Yeah, wax paper. Parchment paper. Parchment paper. Parchment paper. There it yeah. is. Yeah, thanks, Mom. <laughs> So it's like a big piece of parchment paper for your body that's supposed to be like sterile, but I know dead bodies leak a lot, so I don't know why a sheet would be used instead of a bag. Yeah, um, it's weird. It's a thing. Um, the body will be refrigerated in the morgue until the examination occurs, and usually a body bag is what's used, and every time it's a brand new body bag for each body. This ensures that only evidence from that body is contained within the bag. Body bags are closed and sealed to prevent any contamination or evidence loss during transportation. So all that goodness is sealed, sealed in. Sealed up. Yeah. Like a little roast. A little roast. Like a little long pig roast. <laughs> <laughs> all right, cool. I've never had a long pig roast, but I'll take your word for it. Mm. Mm. Cannibalism. <laughs> <laughs> when the body is received in a body bag, the seals of the bag are broken and the body is photographed inside the bag. In a forensic autopsy, it's important at this stage for the medical examiner to note the clothing of the deceased and the position of the clothing. This is because once the clothing is removed for the examination, any evidence pertaining to the position of the clothing cannot be documented. So they get set in there like right as they are and then they get taken out right as they are and examined. Okay. So they're doing investigation work off the get-go. Let's see. Evidence is collected off the external surfaces of the body. So, like you were saying earlier, and I was saying the defensive signs of defense. Um, hair samples, fingernails. Is there anything underneath their fingernails from yeah. scratching? Gunshot residue. Uh, you know, fibers that don't belong to them or their clothing, paint chips, or any other foreign objects found on the surface of the body are collected and noted. So, we survey trees, they survey corpses. <laughs> I like it. Same idea. If it's a homicide investigation, the hands of the deceased will be placed in bags at the scene, which I didn't know this. The medical examiner will open the bags and take residue and fingernail samples. Then the bags are, you know, removed completely, folded, and submitted with the samples as part of the evidence. Oh, wow. Isn't that cool? Yeah. So they just, like, literally, in case something would fall off in transportation or whatever, they just, like, bag it up. And they can assess everything. Even if it does fall off, it's within that little handbag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> little handbag. Little Louis Vuitton handbag. Okay. This is where I have a little bit of a surprise for you. I have a visual representation as well as a verbal representation. Oh. The internal examination begins. It starts with a large, deep, Y-shaped incision that is made from shoulder to shoulder, meeting at the breastbone, so coming down, and extending all the way down to the pubic bone. When a woman is being examined, the Y incision is curved around the bottom of the breast before meeting at the breastbone because, you know, we're shaped a little bit differently. So, I'm going to go ahead and show you exactly what that looks like, and you can explain it to the class. To the class. <laughs> it's 
pretty gnarly. It literally shows every single organ, and then the inside of your skin is really bubbly. That's fat. I know, but it's like bubbly. It looks weird, right? It is. It's pretty crazy, and you can see like the lungs and the heart underneath the lungs, the liver right below it, and your in crazy intestines mm. is intestines intestines like breastuses yeah exactly <laughs> that's crazy and like it's so like gruesome in a way obviously they haven't removed the organs or anything the organs are all laying down there's two flaps on either side they folded back from the y incision and then the one at the top is kind of like folded up well, over his face that and they removed the chest plate they cut the chest plate out oh they took the rib the ribs that were covering yeah. out and everything yeah. so it's just the organs yeah exactly but it's still so clean i want to see the chest plate I don't have it. Oh, sloppy. Sloppy. How do I autopsy? It's not called a chest plate. Well, it's his chest and his ribs. They cut it. I don't know. (laughs) Autopsy with ribs. What's going to come up right now? Oh, Jesus. Is it going to be food? No. Big back, big back chin. Oh, there you go. Big back ribs. That's what it looks like. Whoa. I want to see, like, like, a real-life picture. That's not a real-life picture, is it? Oh, shit, that is. Yeah, that is. Woo! Google that shit. It's pretty cool. (laughs) Fresh autopsy. And they have the ribs and chest plate just lifted up over. Oh, there's a... Oh! Oh, man. Look at... That's the esophagus. That is crazy. If you guys never want to sleep ever again, look it up. And it looks like homies, like... I don't know what they're doing. I think he... I don't know if he got cut open or what the deal is, but he's fucked up. He is from fucked chin up. to ear. He is fucked up. Ooh. Okay, no more Google autopsy photos because we will uh, literally be here all day. Look at that though. What? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Do it though. Do it. It's it's actually really interesting. The anatomy of the human body is so interesting to me. It really is. And seeing it in that way is pretty cool. The next step, after making that gnarly Y incision that I just showed Wade a picture of, <sighs> yeah, is to peel back the skin. So how he was saying he could see the fat and stuff, they had peeled the skin off the chest and the stomach. They also peel off the muscle and soft tissue using a scalpel. So they just, it honestly, it's kind of like field dressing a deer, yeah. <laughs> where you cut the skin off, but you don't nick any of the organs or that layer in between. Mm-hmm. Once this is done, the chest flap, the one that's like up over your face, is pulled up, exposing the rib cage and the neck muscles. Two cuts are made on each side of the rib cage, and then the rib cage is pulled from the skeleton after dissecting the tissue behind it with the scalpel. So I just showed him a picture after they had cut, you know, either side, they had lifted up the chest plate, and then you could see the organs underneath, and the chest plate was lifted up. That's pretty gnarly. It's pretty cool. Gnar, gnar, but very interesting. Yeah. With the organs exposed, a series of cuts are made that detach the larynx, esophagus, so that's why they probably had his Uh, throat open, various arteries and ligaments. Next, the medical examiner severs the organ's attachment to the spinal cord, as well as the attachment to the bladder and rectum. So, again, dressing it like a fucking animal that you hunted because you take all that shit out all in one piece and now all you have is like the meat of the person basically um the entire organ set can be pulled out all in one piece and dissected for further investigation so they're just so good at it they can be like slice 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 snip and then just lift all of it up that's cool including your asshole well yeah that's what a rectum is well it's not saying like sphincter so yeah 
your rectum is Isn't your sphincter part of your rectum? That's like the closing the part, the muscle part. But it's rectum. still, you know, attached to the rectum. Anyways, they're saying they're going <laughs> to remove your small and large intestines. They take your asshole out. That's all okay. they were saying. She says that, but they're <laughs> taking your intestines. They're taking everything. Yep. Now, I had no idea, you know, how that was done in a real-life autopsy. And thank you for that visual, internet. Fucking thanks. I have seen <laughs> many animals dissected, but thinking about a body being dissected, yeah. I'm like, huh, that's a little different. I never, I had never Googled that either, so. Really? The fuck no. I've Googled, okay. I know you have. <laughs> Your fucking search history. Yeah, I'm going to delete that shit when you die. You look through my phone or what? <laughs> no, but I know what you research because you tell me about it 98% of the time. True. I've definitely yeah. looked that stuff up before. Like, uh. I think we've talked about this before, but bestscore.com <laughs> yeah. should be illegal, honestly, I think, because it's a lot of people that had, <clears throat> like, accidents happen to them, and then people on the street are photographing them. Okay, yeah, yeah, Which is very inappropriate. But they had everything from, like, I think it's still around. I haven't looked at it in a really long time. Like, ISIS beheading videos, people that got run over by cars, like, anything that's, like, the goriest of the goriest that normal, like, civilians that see it take pictures and send it in. It's, yeah, that's, that's not something crazy. I can look at. It's really intense. But it exists on the Internet, not on the dark web, on the regular Internet. <laughs> the examiner will then remove the body block, so that little thing that goes underneath the neck and the back, you know, to keep the body flat, and put it behind the neck like a pillow, so... It's kind of sitting up. He takes that stuff down, kind of lays the body down, and raises the head of the body so that it's easier to remove the brain. It's all about angles, man. <laughs> it really is. And speaking of removing the brain... I've seen that. Have you? Yeah, well, not that picture that you're going to show me, but I've seen a picture. It was just a good one. This is after the brain is removed. That's real. The scalp is being like pulled back by the hair, by the way of the person doing the autopsy. The brain is removed. You can see the spinal cord yeah. at the base of the skull where it comes in and just the whole cavity for the brain and yeah. no brain. That's nuts. It's really crazy. The examiner makes a cut with a scalpel from behind one ear across the forehead to the other ear and around. The cut is divided and the scalp is pulled away from the skull in two flaps. So it just kind of like comes back. The front flap goes over the body's face and the rear flap over the back of the neck. So it just exposes the whole skull. Get this. The skull is cut with an electric saw to create a cap that can be pried off, exposing the brain. So they go all the way around. When the cap is pulled off, the dura, which is the soft tissue membrane that covers the brain, remains attached to the bottom of the skull cap. The brain is now exposed. The brain's connection to the spinal cord and tentorium, which is a membrane that connects and covers the cerebellum and occipital lobes, occipital lobes um, of the cerebrum. They're severed, and the brain is easily lifted out of the skull for examination. So in Brie and layman people's terms, they cut all those connections of the brain and pull that sucker out. <laughs> Brains! It's like a, being a master butcher is to be a autopsy, whatever they're called, up to 
Well, I don't even... Similar. Definitely similar. Close to it. After the examination, the body has an open and empty chest cavity because they literally gutted it. Mm-hmm. And the chest flaps are butterflied out and laying all over the place. You have flaps of your scalp going across your face. You also have big flaps on the back of your scalp going down your back. So you can't even see the face. There is a skull cap completely removed. Your brain is missing. You are like a shell at this point. And like at first, before I started looking at these pictures specifically, they kept saying skull flaps. And I was like, what the fuck is that? And that's when I realized, like, it's literally, you know, the face they had to pull back to get to your little noggin walnut. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> little walnut noggin. Little noggin walnut. So what if you're an organ donor and they take all of your organs and mm-hmm. your brain, mm-hmm. do they literally just sew you up empty and cap your head and then show you as an open funeral? You know what, that's that's interesting, because I've read, like, it was practice in the earlier 1900s to fill the body cavity, or maybe mid-1900s, to fill the body cavity with, like, paper to hold space or hay, and now, what did they say they use? They use, like, cotton or something like that. So they do fill, because it won't, it'll, the skin will just sink. Yeah. Yeah. So they fill it with something. They stuff you like a teddy bear. Yeah. I wonder if you could, like, make little hearts out of cotton and write stuff on it and be like, can you put this inside my... Like a fucking human (laughs) Build-A-Bear? Oh, my God. Well, you're already dressing them the way you want to dress them. Might as well put, like, a memorable thing inside (laughs) them. (laughs) I'm never going to think about wakes the same ever again. Sorry. Oh, no, I love it. Human Build-A-Bear? That's amazing. What are you talking yeah, about? We might have just started a new thing. We should fucking really patent that. Somebody needs to draw that for us so I can put it on my wall. Spencer, draw me a human corpse Build-A-Bear yeah, We got stat. the copyrights to that, so don't steal it. <laughs> it's ours. We call it's it. Ours. We call it. And if you steal it, trust me, I'll find you. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> All right. So, if the organs aren't being taken, let's say this isn't an organ donor. The organs are put back into the body, or they incinerate them. I don't know why they would incinerate them if they couldn't save them and put them back or whatever. The chest flaps are closed and sewn back together. The skull cap is put back in place and held there by closing the scalp, like sewing it. Yeah. So they don't even like actually reattach your skull cap. They just set it there and then, like... Well, how are they going to reattach it? Staple it? No. Yeah, super glue it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's some JB well, well, can you imagine if you go to, like, give the person a kiss if it's an open casket and, like, touch their forehead and their skull cap just, like, slips? Well, okay. Ew. That's real, but... Ew for kissing the person. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't know. Put some fucking super glue in there. Work that shit out. Next, we will touch on wound examination. So, kind of like the specifics of autopsy after we went over the general process. Our boy Kiesel explains. (laughs) They uh, weren't shot once. They were shot 13 or 20 times. You've got to sort out all the paths of these bullets. You've got to figure out where each bullet went. The old way of doing it was, well, he's got 10 holes on the front. There are 8 holes on the back. And there's 2 bullets inside. We're done legal system won't accept that anymore which is probably a good thing 
Chasing bullets can get really difficult when police are the shooters. They want to know, okay, what bullet went where, especially if you got multiple shooters, and especially if it's a case involving the police, Kiesel says. You know, you've collected this bullet, which officer's gun does that go to? So this person went here, this person's bullet went here. You really have to chase it down and um, do a lot of steps sometimes. So that makes sense, especially if it's an officer. Yeah. Which we had in our area a very young fellow who was killed by the police, and it was it was crazy. Um, and I don't... Did they put those officers, like, on leave while they were doing that investigation, or how did that work? Yeah, they all do. But they went back to work after that. I'm assuming. I don't, I don't know anything about it. That's but crazy. that's getting off, off topic. Yes. Off topic. That is off topic. I got really excited when I read the next sentence in this article, uh, which is, in the next section, we'll look at the tools used to perform an autopsy. Ooh. <laughs> and it is not what you're going to expect, probably. Uh, let's see here. The tools used to perform autopsies have changed very little in the past hundred years. The only real major advance in tools is the addition of some electrical saws. But even those are still not used as often as the good old-fashioned hand tools. All of those words just made me so fucking happy and my skin crawl at the same time. I fucking love it. <laughs> Let's talk about shit to cut bodies open. So, there's the bone saw, used to cut through, you know, thick bone or skull. Bread knife, used to sh uh, shave slices of organs for examination to, like, I assume put it under a microscope yeah. and look at a cross-section. Anterium, which are special scissors used to open the intestines. And there's a Hagedorn door needle, a heavy needle used to sew up the body after examination. It looks like a leather needle. I've seen them. Hammer with hook, used to pull skull calf off of skull. So if it's like suctioned on there, they just fucking hook the hammer in there and yank it off. Rib cutter, which they use garden shears, like they go to Home Depot and those handheld garden shears they use. What? They're not like specialty no. tools? It's just like a fucking razorback no. shear. Alright, that's I'll get, fucked up. I'll get to a quote in one second that explains why and it'll make sense. It's not fucked up, but it's crazy to hear about. They have a scalpel, obviously, how we were talking about, you know, dissecting the skin and fat from the organs and other tissue. Scissors, used for opening hollow organs and cutting vessels. A skull chisel, used for helping to carefully pry the skull cap off. Striker saw, the electric saw used to cut through the skull to remove the brain. Toothed forceps, used to pick up heavy organs. And this is a quote from Kiesel, so here it is. We don't always use nice, delicate surgical tools, Kiesel says. If you put the word medical or autopsy on something, the price triples. So... I can go to a restaurant supply house and get some good knives that cost me just a fraction of what it would cost to buy them elsewhere. So fucking metal and thrifty. Amen. <laughs> Is that what you're waiting for? Oh, okay. Never mind. I read her next paragraph. So. <laughs> He's over my shoulder looking at my notes, not just enjoying it and commenting, wants to see what's coming next all up in my business. I'm trying to prepare myself. I'm a good boy scout. Okay. Continue. I told you to come up with autopsy jokes, and you didn't even do that. I didn't. 
I really didn't. It would have been lame as fuck, but I wanted it. Yeah, I, yeah. Autopsy tool shopping doesn't stop at the restaurant supply house. The medical examiner may also visit a hardware store for supplies. Things like pruning shears tend to work better than surgical bone cutters for cutting through ribs. You know, a scalpel's blade's only got an inch, inch and a half worth of cutting surface, whereas you can get a good long knife that's got a six to eight inch blade on it so you can cut more and faster. It's like he's talking about beef. Kiesel says, We're not doing very delicate surgical procedures where we have to worry about if we nick the wrong thing and somebody's going to bleed out. So, our tools aren't quite that delicate, but we can still do the, some reasonably sophisticated things. It's not like doing delicate microsurgery. I mean, makes sense. Right? So I don't, at first I read that and I was like, oh God. And then I read that quote and I was like, you know what? Yeah. I mean, it I probably works it. better. Yeah. Oh, hello computer. And I'm at the end of my notes. That's what that noise was. As far as, <laughs> did, <laughs> I'm a little tipsy and tired. I'm right there with you. As far as determining time of death goes, there are a few key factors that help investigators determine that. There are changes that occur after death, Kiesel says. Most of them are chemically related. Blood settles by gravity within the body, and there's a purple discoloration that occurs. That's called lividity. The body will become rigid, and that's called rigidity or rigor. People have looked at vitreous humor, which is the fluid in the eye. The corneas become cloudy. You can look at the gastric contents, food left in the stomach or intestines. You know, when did they last eat? That can be helpful. Did they have a full bladder or not? So to kind of gauge, like, you know, when, if somebody had made them food or saw them eat or whatever and can relate it back. Um, But I have a personal question for you, since it's kind of towards the end of the podcast. Do you want to be cremated, or do you want to be, like, buried and go through all this shit to prep? Cremated, and then I want to be shot into the mountains from a big-ass cannon. I don't know if I can supply a cannon. You can supply anything. Why can't I just, like, run and sprinkle them through the woods? Because I just thought a cannon would be cool. Isn't it weird? You're not going to eat me a fucking cannon? No. That's fucked up. I don't know where I would even start. And it's a weird... Then Viking. Cremate me, put oh me on God. like... <laughs> yeah, put Set me you on. on fire and just push you out to sea. Bye-bye. No, push me out to sea and then shoot a flaming arrow at me and set me on fire and then do like the rain dance and then you can walk away. I can do that. Yeah? Yeah. Fuck yeah. And you could sing and hoop or whatever you want to do. <laughs> Hula hoop as yeah. my husband's dying corpse is on fire. Well, my ashes would be on fire because I'd already be cremated. You could put me on like a vase. So why would I set your ashes on fire again? That's it, stupid. It's not stupid. <laughs> yes, it is. No, it's not. You're already burnt. Well, you're not going to be able to get, unless like I die at the house and you drag my body to the car, load me I'm up. I'm not dragging your ass anywhere. Exactly. So then why not just get me cremated and then put me in like a crazy vase or like a guy with his hand forward and then you put me on a little raft and push me up and and set you on fire a second time. Yeah, as I'm, like, pointing out to see, like, yeah. But you said you were already going to be cremated, so you wouldn't be pointing out to see. Stop pissing <laughs> on my fucking ashes right now. God I'm damn just it. pissing all over your ashes right now. Exactly. This is bullshit. I'm over it. I just cannot fathom getting my, like, dead corpse pumped with chemicals and then burying me in the ground and then me, like, not even naturally decomposing, just, like, slowly... Oh, actually, you know what? 
make me into a tree. They have oh, those yeah. baggy things there. Boom. Tree That's a me. Good idea. Tree me. I don't know the company, but for those who don't know what the fuck we're talking about, they make your ashes into this little pot that has a little baby tree, or is it a seed? I think it's like a little baggy that's a, it only has like a tree or something. It's a little starter. And you can plant that, and then your loved one that you lost is like literally a part of that tree. Mm-hmm. Well, literally grow cool. into a tree. Yeah. That's Boom. pretty cool. Tree. Well, guys, I don't have any more info for you. Um, Wade and I, on the way back to our home from Grass Valley, had brainstormed a bunch of ideas for episodes. If you have any ideas that you would want to watch, like I know the Demonic Possession one, we had a lot more listeners. So if there's anything anyone specifically, um, you know, focused on or wants us to do an episode on, please don't hesitate to contact us. On Facebook, we are Booze, Bullshit, and True Crime. On Insta, we are Booze, Bullshit, and True Crime as well. We do have a Gmail, so, you know, send us your personal stories, whether it's paranormal, true crime, weird shit, funny shit, compliments, uh, what's the word when not insult but constructive criticism, any of that bullshit. Which is an insult, so if you want to insult us, you go ahead and hit us up, too. Go it's for fine. it. Just showing us that you appreciate us by, you know, continuing to uh, keep it? up. Yeah. Exactly. Communication. I don't know. <laughs> communication yeah. teamwork makes the dream work baby exactly but our gmail account for all that bullshit is booze <laughs> bs and true crime at gmail.com that's booze bs and true crime at gmail.com um anything else babe Did i think that's it, it so uh bye and i'm gonna go take a shower because it's fucking hot okay bye